guys welcome back to our studios esl podcast of course i am your host and today is the big reading day i just had a real interesting discussion with a girl by the name of T- uh, nikki brunton she lives out there in the south of australia and she was going over so many different things in terms of what she had gone through or what she's been through uh in terms of Basically, abuse, you know, uh, husband committed suicide, uh, you know, her children being emotionally overdrawn. And, of course, I always thought about the emotional bank account and how you can actually implement that. But when your child begins to abuse you, you start realizing, like, okay, so what are some of these triggers? Does she believe they were technology? And so she reduced the amount of exposure that her children got to, you know, technology and whatnot. And... Again, the aggression and everything has been significantly reduced. And so it is amazing to see that. So I really, I'm really, really interested because this is the technology week and I want to see what's going on out there. And, you know, just to see the opinions, I don't really care so much about studies, but I'm interested in this article and that's what I'm going to be giving you guys today. So here we go. With that being said, let's talk a little bit about this. I'm going to break these down into individual paragraphs. So first paragraph, of course, the impact of technology on the nature of our friendships has been a much debated topic since the meteor. Oh my God. I hate saying that word. Meteoric, meteoric. That's right. Meteoric rise of social networks. Advancements in mobile technology and social networking sites mean we have a spend more time online than ever before. After all, if Facebook were a country, it would be the largest in the world by population. According to the Nielsen Group, 22% of our overall online media time is spent on social media. It is therefore not surprising that so many psychologists, sociologists, and others are eager to give their thoughts on how this is impacting negatively on our society. It is only now, however, that we are starting to see the kind of empirical evidence necessary to differentiate fact from fiction. The biggest criticism leveled at social networking is that our young people are losing their offline friends to online friends who are unable to provide the same level of emotional support and satisfaction. In fact, there is a lot of research that shows these criticisms are generally unfounded. Psychologist Kelly Allen believes that it is socially adjusted adolescents who are more likely to have a social networking profile than those who are not, and that people are not substituting offline friends with online companions, but are instead using them to support their offline relationships. There is also evidence that social networks allow people to have a much more diverse set of friends. One study conducted by the Pew Internet and American Life Project in 2009 found that people seek knowledge from and share knowledge with people from a wider variety of backgrounds online. I'll stop right there. So, offline friends and online friends, I am completely against this. If you do not know, I have a podcast by the name of Motivational Mentors. Luke and I, we have never met each other in person, but Luke is, uh, Luke is, I trust him more than any offline friend ever in my life. Let's just put it that way. There are other people that I connect with online that I trust more than anyone I've come across in reality ever. Katrina Gleisberg, who has come on to this podcast a number of times. 
Um, Isabel Hunt, who's a sociologist out there in Indiana, and she is an entrepreneur too. Um, oh my God, who? What, what is it? James Hackney, uh, so hair. Uh, just a number of people who are all entrepreneurs in the same room as me. Listen, I've built better friendships with them than any offline friend ever, especially here in Thailand. So in the last six and a half years, let's hurry up and bomb that. I haven't met someone of any magnitude offline compared to what I've met online. So I am completely against this offline and online. If it wasn't for Satomi Nakagawa, I would have never traveled to Australia to begin with. There was no one on my, in my online friend room that knew about Japan, like how Satomi knew about it, because of course she is originally from Kyoto, Japan. So if it wasn't for that, I would not be here today. So again, diverse communities are the most important. Without online, what was happening with the world? In the 1900s, okay, you had your World War I, World War II, Vietnam War, Cold War, all those ridiculous wars and genocides and everything that ran rampant, hundreds of millions of lives were lost between the beginning of 1900 to the end of the 1900s. And so here we are. We're, 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 we're trying to say that, oh yeah, online is actually, uh, it's worse than offline. No, 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 no. Diversity? Racism has gone down significantly around the world. I know Eastern European countries, the likes of Bulgaria, Montenegro, unfortunately Spain, unfortunately Italy, there are some crazy ultras at some of these football games and they do monkey chants towards people of color. I'm aware of that. But these are the brainless souls of the world. And you will always have those of the world. It is not our job to place attention on these people who are showing a lack, of, a lack of awareness, a lack of societal awareness, lack of awareness in general, and a lack of, not even education, a lack of heart. Now, coming back to what's happening now, I do believe that with the emergence of Netflix, with the emergence of Black Panther, racism has gone down in Asia significantly, most notably here in Thailand. People are now becoming more open towards people of color. People are no longer grabbing their face mask and, you know, putting their cover over their head when they walk, uh, walk past me. Although they kind of still do, but I just completely ignore it. But compared to what it was four years ago, before the Netflix, before the Black Panther, before everything, black people in this country were deemed as really, really bad people. But now the tides have changed. So with that being said, I'm going to continue with this, uh, this, this, this speaking. So here we go. It is certainly true that our definition of friendship is evolving. An acquaintance we saw twice a year is now a friend we regularly talk to online. Yes, this tie is weaker than a relationship in the real world, but there is evidence that young people still have a lot, of, a lot to gain from it. Again, I'll stop there. That is completely false. Online friendships, honestly, I believe that that's far more real than people in person. Anytime I meet with someone in person, it's very, very difficult for me to develop a friendship or to develop a companionship that hasn't happened in more than a decade. Anyone who I've talked to and began talking to after 2009, I do not speak to today. So anyone before 2009, going back to my early childhood, I still speak to them. Now, was that the emergence of online and how we could actually meet people online? Perhaps. But I'm just giving you my evidence. Meeting people in person after 2009, 
Do I have any of those friends dating from 2009 until today? No, none, none whatsoever, except maybe Jessica. And that's just about it. And Jessica, she is now a flight attendant out there in America. She, we actually did our little dental assisting certificate uh, together. And I met her in late 2009. She's the only one, but I wouldn't consider her a friend. She's not even an acquaintance. She's just someone who exists because I just don't speak to her. So let me continue with this reading. A study conducted by Michigan State University in 2010 concluded that our virtual friendships provide social benefits and improve our psychological well-being. Our weaker ties contribute to this in particular. So teenagers do not appear to be losing their face-to-face -face friends and the additional connections provided by social networking has proven or have proven to be beneficial. So again, we're going to be continue on with this. So here we go. But there is one element of social networking that is deeply worrying. Ah, deeply worrying. Okay. So now we're getting into the good stuff. So, and that is the fact that we find ourselves in a hyper-connected world. So what does that mean? One where people access social media day and night, excited to make announcements about the tiniest details of their lives. And that's a bad thing. Why? Here we go. Research is starting to show, I'm so done with this research and these studies, it's all bullshit. Let's keep going. Research is starting to show that this culture is negatively affecting not our friendships, but our character. Ooh. Professor Larry D. Rosen in his book, I Disorder, presents evidence that social networking is turning us into narcissists. Narcissists meaning, yes, I need to show my body, I need to show this, I need to show that. No, 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 no. It's turning you, you are already a narcissist. Social media has proven that you are a narcissist. Let me continue. He says that young people who overuse social networking sites can become vain, aggressive, and display antisocial behavior in their offline lives. He says that sitting behind a screen makes them harsher and more mean-spirited. I will agree with that. I will, and I'm not going to detest that, uh, because there are many more trolls now. And trolls, they create these ridiculous accounts. They say very nasty, racist things online. But again, it's just who they were in person, but they have a means of expressing themselves online. It doesn't change who they are. That's just who they were from to begin with. They're just using social media as an outlet. That's all there is. Social media is not creating it. It's just exposing the individual of how nasty he or she is. All right? So let's keep on going. He said, oh, okay, yeah, I already said that. But perhaps an even more disturbing repercussion is that one of our most basic emotions seems to be disappearing. Empathy. This is the emotion that bonds us together. It allows us to see the world from our friend's point of view. Without it, we are far less able to connect and form meaningful adult relationships. End quote. Now, and yet a study has found that college students are actually 40% less empathic. Oh, I'm sorry, empathetic. Oh my God, empathic listening, that's right. Empathetic than college students 30 years ago, with the largest decline occurring from year 2000. Oh, well, there it is. In the 2010 study, fewer students described themselves as soft-hearted and more claim that they are not affected when friends have bad fortune. You know what? I will have to, this isn't in regards to uh, social. Uh, I, I do this. I do believe that this is environmental pressure. Um, 
I think I'm kind of losing myself. Uh, I'm not as soft-hearted as before here in Thailand as I used to be. I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm not as soft-hearted anymore living here because this culture pretty much teaches you to not give a damn. I don't know if that's the Buddhist creed, but here in Thailand, when someone dies, uh, Thai people literally take photos of the dead individual, regardless of how mangled their body is, and they post it on social media for likes. Now, this is not because social media is bad, it's because the people are bad itself. So when I see someone I, and, you know, and people are doing this or that, I just pretty much say, yeah, don't really give a damn. However, I do realize I have that soft heart, especially for people who are blind. Um, and it always hits me uh, because every time I see someone who's blind, it just makes me feel so bad. Maybe so bad in terms of I'm not being grateful enough for my own life and especially my own eyes. Um, but also, you know, going back to when I was in Vietnam, I, to be honest with you, I felt that I was soft hearted. I saw those kids. I saw, I said hello and this and that. I was genuinely myself. And so here in this country, I really have to build up that snake skin and be an absolute beast. But outside this country, I'm my true self. So this is, of course, why I'm living in two separate fake realities. Well, I'm sorry, one fake reality and one real reality. And this is why I've made my decision to move to Vietnam next year. So because I just believe that if I have to put up a front because this society doesn't care about human beings or animals lack thereof, um, it's time for me to go. I've been, in a, uh, I've been in a soulless area for far too long. So there it is. So I think it's environmental. So let's keep going. Sherry Turkle, she's a professor of social sciences at MIT, has made a fascinating observation about the impact of being constantly plugged into your smartphone. She has noticed that these devices permit us to have a complete control over our friendships. She has said that young people determine who they communicate with. Yes, I think that's good enough. That's fair enough. When and how as social networks allow them to tidy up and manage their friendships. Absolutely. I, I love that. You're, but see, control is everything. Let's keep going. Even though in the real world, they are unpredictable and difficult to deal with. Well, yeah. So, I mean, that's the most important part because then you kind of protect yourself emotionally. Because again, she said, you know, she said it herself. I mean, it's very, very difficult to, you know, to, uh, you know, friendships are very unpredictable in reality. You know, if I look at all the friendships and especially what happened to me in 2008 and 2009, there's no way that I'm going to try to build up friendships in reality. The last somewhat close friend I had, uh, but I already knew that he was a little bit of a fair weather and he was two-faced. It was Nelson. Nelson, you know, him being from Uganda, teaching out in the outskirts of Bangkok. Um, I realized that, you know, what, what he was saying and our values and this and that. I'm like, dude, I'm done. And I dropped them very easy. It's not unpredictable. And that's what's the most difficult part about it is that in reality, offline friendships, it's very, very difficult to handle them because if someone just leaves without telling you, you're like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Like you invest so much, like me, just recently, I've invested 10 to 15 hours and maybe 1,500 baht, 50 US dollars, and paying for food, of course, by myself and whatnot, but in trying to develop a friendship with this girl who I thought I was developing a pretty keen friendship with. All of a sudden, she just acts very, very weird the third time I met her, and that was the end. See, that's unfair. That's unfair for both parties. So let's keep going into this. 
She has observed that teenagers eradicate the need for a lengthy, awkward conversation to resolve an issue by simply clicking a button and unfriended that person. Oh, I love that. Absolutely. Yes, a long, awkward conversation. If I do not like you and you're online, I'm blocking you. Now, in reality, it could get much more dangerous. Could you imagine if a woman in the likes of India is annoyed by a guy in reality, he's going to keep showing up and things will get, in, they will intensify and they could often become fatal. So fatal attraction, right? I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, if I found something, let me give you an example. Someone on Twitter, I forgot what happened, but he, he said, look at your teeth. And of course, America, they have a very dark humor. Look at your teeth, meaning, ew, your teeth is ugly. And I'm like, really? I haven't heard that since 1996. You're supposed to be an adult. So what do I do? Block them. That's how it should be. You should be able to block and manage people that easily at any cost. Because if they're not, if they're not given to your emotional well-being, they're taken from you. They're getting a to-go plate. Can you imagine if you invited someone over? for dinner all the time. They come in, they just grab something and they go, that's how I felt last time I met uh, this friend that I was actually trying to nurture a friendship with in the offline world. Came over, just seemed like we watched a movie, no meaningful conversation, hurry up, grab their stuff, gone. Just took a to-go plate. And that was the end of the friendship. And yes, I felt used and abused because I felt like, damn, I invested probably seven good hard hours into this relationship only for you to just get up and go. That's completely unfair. That's selfish. And this is why I don't like dealing with offline relationships. Hey, I love it. I absolutely love it. From a teacher perspective, from a male perspective, and from a human being perspective, I love managing things. If I don't like someone online, I can make them disappear in the matter of seconds. You know what I mean? One girl, you know, I, I blocked her because she was perpetuating the racism within the hearts of Thai women. And she didn't realize, she was like, hey, uh, I don't see you on Instagram anymore. What happened? Are you okay? And then she's like, oh my God, like two days later, oh my God, you blocked me. Why did you block me? You don't want to be my friend? Okay. Well, I was just worried what happened to you. No, I'm not going to tell you what happened. You know exactly what you're doing right now. And especially on your Instagram with all your friends saying, ooh, oh my God, fair skin, white man, very handsome. Now, this is a big problem because for me, six and a half years being in this country and being racially discriminated against and having racial epithets and, and language hurled at me, that does, I do take that to offense. Absolutely. So what do I do? Hey, I don't want to be around that. I don't want to be around that negativity. And that is the dying paradigm of society. So best of luck in your future endeavors. And I'll see you when I see you. That's it. That's how I manage. Because if you're not nurturing me, you're taken away. And she was actually giving me poison. So that's how I manage. Let's go into the next paragraph. It appears that people are no longer comfortable being alone. And yet, Turkle asserts that being alone is a time when we can self-reflect and get in touch with who we really are. I absolutely agree. It is only when we do that, or do this, that we can make meaningful relationships with others. She believes, as the title of her 2011 book, Alone Together, the impact of being alone together is one that should concern parents. I have spoken to children who have expressed frustration at losing their parents' attention to a mobile phone, one child even highlighted that the fact that their mother once stand 
and chat to other parents at the school gate, but now just stands and spends that time in the virtual world. This is teaching children how not to connect with others. So again, virtual world or offline world, it, it doesn't matter. A conversation is a conversation you're still communicating, whether it's verbal or nonverbal. <sighs> Old people. Let's get into this last paragraph. These changes in both our behavior and character are rather disconcerting, as this person would say. So it is clear that we need to place our focus here when nurturing a child's development. Our young people may still have a good off well, may still have good offline relationships and may only use social networking for fostering face-to-face -face friendships. However, if they continue to develop narcissistic tendencies outlined above, along with the reduction in empathy, a fear of the unpredictability of friendships, and an inability to self-reflect, our young people could be well in trouble. It is therefore here that I would like to move on to making suggestions about ways to encourage our young people to modify their online behaviors so that they can develop the kinds of friendships that are required to grow into well-adjusted and happy adults. End of story. So what could be, well, how can you sum this up? Obviously, we know the point of view of the writer. The point of view of the writer is basically this person believes that offline and that speaking face-to-face -face is more meaningful than the virtual world. Writing a letter is better than sending a message. Although they're basically the same form. And so now we're kind of just, we're, we're in a world where a lot of the Gen Bs and the Gen Xs, they completely disagree with how the world is changing right now with technology. But I could be a, I could be, I could be a testament of how much technology has helped me over the years. How much, it, the thing is, okay, all right, there are some platforms where I actually meet people and was I, able, uh, was I ever able to create a meaningful, long-lasting relationship on some of the social media apps I've been on? No, however, through Facebook, and through messaging different people and this and that. Now, some people come, some people go. Some people have hidden agendas. I completely understand that. You know, last year and at the beginning of this year, I brought a number of people onto my personal development podcast and I never spoke to them again. The people that I used to speak to probably three, four months ago, I don't speak to again. That's completely fine. That's just how life is. But the people who I speak to on a routine basis, they'll always be there. Why? Because the connection. Bonds are created when two people reach an agreement with one another. And that's the most important thing. Now, in the offline world, if do, do I have any real good friendships? Yes, that need to do face-to-face. -face. I still speak the same way uh, on the podcast as I do face-to-face. -face. You know, my students, listen, I talk to my students on a routine basis. So by the time I get home, I am dead. So if we actually sum this up in general and really look at how everything has you know and how everything has taken place uh over the last 20 years in terms of technology and meeting people i've developed my personality not from face to face but from reading and actually and i've developed my voice by speaking that's it's just like a muscle right you're not going to be able to just uh, meditate yourself to six-pack abs you're going to have to put in the work and so when it comes to relationships you're going to have to put in the work and with offline relationships, you know, just recently, 
I realized, oh my God, I'm putting in way too much into this and she's not giving me anything back. I'm not wasting any more time here. I'm going to stop it here. Done. Bye. Goodbye. And that's the end. Why? Because I know where it's not. I know where it's going. It's going right down the drain because I've had these experiences so many, at so many different times. So, I mean, it's time for some critical thinking. Uh, I think I might have to do a live with this so we could talk about what offline and online relationships really are. So with that being said, guys, I hope you can get something from this. It's all, I, there's not a, it's opinion, opinion. That's all there is to it. It's how you feel. If you feel like you'd rather be on the phone rather than speaking to someone face-to-face, then there's a problem. But the way I speak on the phone and through text, listen, you can't see my energy through that. You see my energy through hearing my voice, but that's still online. So the only way we're going to develop a relationship is if I meet you face-to-face, and that's impossible. So, guys, I hope you could take something away from this. Again, there's no problem with using technology, okay? Uh, Unless you're becoming aggressive, unless you're becoming a troll, unless there are different things that I said throughout that passage that you, you somewhat fit the description, then we're going to have to have a very honest conversation. But until then, I mean, I honestly think that (laughs) everything is all righty. So with that being said, guys, man, I hope you enjoyed this wonderful, good OESL podcast. And if you have any questions, let me know. I'm your host, as always, over and out.